Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese, and welcome to the CEO Show. We're here today with Daniel Hostetler. How are you, Daniel? I'm great, thank you. And Daniel is the CEO of the Boca Raton. And you know, you've listened to me for years, and you know that we've interviewed all the top CEOs of all the top luxury properties and hotels. But this is different than any other organization. And you're going to hear about the business model, but then about his leadership philosophy, which is really driving this difference. So talk about what the whole business model is when you came here and where you are. Well, when MSD Partners purchased the property, it was really run as a thousand room Waldorf Astoria brand under the Hilton brand uh, as a convention hotel, a very nice thousand room convention hotel by the water. And we are overseeing a multi-year renovation, the first $200 million of which phase one is, is complete. We're about to move into phase two. And a repositioning of the five buildings that encompass those thousand rooms into five individual hospitality products. So whether that be our beach club, which is centered on more of a 30-somethings, hipper sort of vibe, or whether it be the yacht club, which is our now adults-only uh, property that is all suites or the tower, which is our family oriented property. We have five lodging products and the idea is to position them individually to five different sets of travelers. However, they're all under the umbrella of the Boca Raton, which also is a membership club that serves the local members. And so as a hotel guest in any of these five properties, you have the ability to use all of the facilities of the club, whether that be the marina or golf, tennis, etc. But that changes that business mix, obviously, from sort of that 900-person convention guest, which was the driver of this property for uh, the last decade, to much more leisure guest and C-suite-oriented uh, customers that are looking at more of the 100-room business meetings as opposed to the 900-room business meetings. So this might make you the first 25-star hotel, because you have five five-star hotels in America. That's the goal. How did the whole concept come about? Tell, I don't believe this model has ever do been done in America before. It's the first time, really. We use Sea Island lovingly as a model where they have both their lodge and their cloister and their beach. So that's a, sort of a, a, an interesting and a club component. So it's a, it's it's an interesting uh, model that we utilize. But no, it, it's not been done where you're sort of running five independent brands under one model. And I think it really came about during the interview process, uh, I was a big believer that um, even pre-COVID, if you really want to go after that luxury market, they're not going to a 950-room hotel. That You don't equate 950 rooms with luxury. And most certainly post-COVID, you don't, you don't do that. But our individual buildings are all in the sort of 65 keys to 250 keys, 350 in the historic cloister, which is more of our meeting environment. And I think you do equate those numbers, right? The average four seasons is 200 rooms, and, and most of our, our lodging properties are in that 200-room mix. And so by branding them individually, having front desks individually, general managers individually, and giving each of those lodging products their, their own soul, you're, you have five different markets you're now serving, as opposed to this property, you know, 
two years ago where everyone stood in line like they were at the airport in the lobby and you were sort of channeled out to one of the five buildings uh, as a convention guest. And it, it also forces you to have the restaurants perform at a higher level because you're now you're now serving a leisure market as opposed to everybody eating in a ballroom so the restaurants become secondary which makes our membership component much happier because the restaurants have to be positioned at a much higher level which allows us to expand and drive the the club component of the property as well so it's a complete shift from sort of a a very large Florida convention hotel to a club first model that then has five lodging products and and as a guest in the lodging product you are a essentially a temporary member of the club for the few days that you are here is really the way we're trying to position it and the way we explain the vision to the team members so it's obviously unique in the model that there's the five separate properties but everyone is also part of the whole team as a member but the, the biggest thing that I'm wondering is the word luxury and it seems that the word luxury has been redefined over these years when you when you transformed ocean house which in rhode island was exceptional i love that place next door to um taylor swift by the way um this word luxury has sort of changed in what it means how do you define the word luxury today I think that the luxury of old was the thread count on the beds and 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 the the, the butlers on the floor, etc. That's how you measured it. And I think today's consumer, everything luxury is different for each consumer, right? It it might be the CEO who rarely gets away with their family, and so luxury is creating that experience for them that is special with their children. Because they they have that opportunity to get together, whereas for a business meeting, it's a it's a different level of luxury, making sure that everything is is perfect. I think that we define luxury as taking that time to reach out to every guest pre arrival and try and find out who they are, where they're coming from, what is special to them, why are they coming for the few days that they're with us, and creating that experiential travel element for them, and taking the time to do that is luxury and people are willing to pay for that level of experience. Absolutely. And and the word I would use is bespoke. Yes. What, what I've noticed here. Talk about your leadership philosophy because that's what really comes out to me in how you have the vision but then you also deal with all the details. I think that when you're turning around a property like this with 1,600 employees that are used to running it one way as a convention hotel, and now you're asking them to completely reimagine the business model, that only comes when the leader takes the time to do that as much as they possibly can individually, right? So when we were looking at the organizational chart here originally, there was going to be a COO between me and and, and the general managers of the property, and I immediately said, Maybe in a few years we'll do that, but for now I need to touch as many people individually and share my vision and my vi- and my philosophy of service and the mission and this goal of 25 stars by 2025 with every single person. Now you can't do that with 1,600 employees, so I do that as much as I can with the management team uh, by walking the property, by attending employee meetings, by using our own internal communications device on the phones where we can do 30-second videos with the team members. Because the more they hear directly from me what my vision is for the property, the faster that vision is going to come to pass, as opposed to leaving it to a human resource team to try and let it trickle down. So if you could sum up 
what your leadership philosophy is, and we have about one minute until commercial break, what would that be? Uh, lead from the front. Never ask people to do anything you wouldn't do on your own. We have a lobby duty program, for instance, where every one of our 300 leaders has to spend one day a month on the floor in the lobby to remind them, whether they be an accountant, human resources, CEO, that we are at the end of the day still innkeepers taking care of guests and members. And it also does wonders for the team to see that management team in the lobby, helping to park a car or carry luggage that if we're doing it, you need to be doing it and you need to be doing it rapidly and, and getting, it also gives us phenomenal guest feedback more than you would ever get in a, in a comment card, that interaction with the guests and the members and asking them what we could do better, and especially in this first year of operation, has allowed us to sort of trim tab the operation into new areas that we maybe didn't think we, we needed to adjust. Daniel, obviously the Boca Raton is a unique destination with five five stars, which is, which is the ambition, but you've really focused on culinary. Yes. And talk specifically what you're doing and what your vision is. Well, I think that with the repositioning to a, a luxury product, culinary is one of those experiences that every guest is looking to have when they're on the property. And so we've really tried to reimagine all 12 of our restaurants into unique dining venues. Uh, a handful of them are partnerships with major food groups, which has done a phenomenal job of sort of creating uh, individual guest experiences in the restaurants. Others are, um, are run directly by the property. Uh, but we're trying to to make sure that there's a different culinary experience for every type of guest, whether that's the white tablecloth, five-course tasting menu that's sort of the date night menu, or whether that's Harbor House, which is our more casual sort of flip-flops and uh, a, a very large family-friendly menu. We're, we're trying to make sure that there's, there's something for every guest in those five lodging products that we've created. We're about to take a commercial break. Before we do, what is the website if someone wants to learn more about the Boca Raton? It's thebocaraton.com. I think we could have all guessed that. We'll be back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Reese back on The CEO Show. And Daniel, what, what I want to start off with is let's talk about a challenge that you've had, that you've had to overcome. This is a remarkable project, and I know you have the goals for 2026, which is your 100th anniversary. Talk about a problem you faced, how you're going to move forward into your goals of 2026, becoming, I believe, the premier destination in America. We face two challenges. The one we spoke previously of that sort of paradigm shift of going from a convention hotel to a luxury hotel. But then you also faced the challenge of sort of 400 existing staff members uh, post-COVID and onboarding uh, 1,200 new ones. And, and how do you take those legacy managers and the legacy team members who had run a property at one level and also bring in a whole new group of team members, most of whom, like me, came from smaller uber luxury hotels and sort of get those teams to, to co-mingle. And I think that there's a danger when you do that, when you take over a company to uh, marginalize the, especially when you're repositioning. And we certainly made some mistakes in sort of marginalizing the way things were done before because we were following a new business model. And I think the learning lesson 
was that while it was a different business model before, it was still this thousand pound gorilla of a property, one of the largest non-gaming assets in North America. And the team on the ground knew how to deal with volume and, and that number of members and rooms and the team coming in, such as me, were coming from hotels that had 100, 200 rooms where you had a, a totally different touch point with the guest. And so we found that you had to respect that culture that was here before and the way things were done, introduce new team members to a whole new culture, and take those legacy team members and bring them towards this new vision and mission for, for their company, which they had a very strong affinity for because many had been here for decades. Let's talk about CEOs. Obviously, CEOs will have strategic retreats here, but they'll also have leisure here. And you are a CEO yourself. Talk about the CEOs in the luxury market and and what thoughts you have for them. I, I think when you're a CEO, it's constant connection to your job, right? It's 24-7, 365. And so we really take the view when we have a Fortune 500 CEO coming with their family that we know they're going to be, they're going to need to be connected. But how do we create these experiences that they can spend time with their families. Because I know when I travel, it's usually when I get, you know, 90% of my children's time instead of 10% of their time. So how do how do we create those moments for them and and maybe create moments for the family where the CEO can still get away to check in with the office and provide him the faci- or her the facilities that they need to continue to do their job and run their companies because that that part never stops even when you're on a vacation. I've heard a rumor that you do these videos, these golden videos and you do outreach And I think it's fascinating because talk about how you're involved with the members and the broader community here because you're at the heart of Boca Raton as well. We are. Well, the the city of Boca Raton grew up around this hotel. Addison Meisner designed uh, the hotel as the sort of recruiting tool for, for for his real estate development, which was the city of Boca Raton. So we're very connected with the city. Uh, And, and, and I, I want us to be even more connected with the local community. I think that that hasn't always happened here uh, because we're a private club and you have to get behind the gates to be here. Uh, But I also think it's very important that when your guests and your members are out in the community, that that community is supportive of the operation and and that they, they they get their moments to get behind the gates, whether that be our Christmas tree lighting or Easter festivities, et cetera. So they embrace the project in the community. Uh, I do do a series of golden minutes. It's it's sort of the new way of communication video. And so we find that with our members, because we're positioning the property as a club first, and it's a club that has been closed both from COVID and, and large parts of it with our, our capital projects, that we want to make sure that they know what's going on, that they get the first view of a new restaurant or a new building before it comes online. And so i I It was suggested by the members that they would love to get these sort of behind the scenes. um, I'm a big Disney fan. Someone referred to it as that the Walt Disney commercials that he used to do back in the 70s or or 60s when they were designing Disney World and he would go on and tell them what it was going to be. And so that's sort of the impetus for these golden moments that our members just love. They stopped me. You know, when I'm walking the property saying, you're the guy in the video. I love that last one about the new Asian restaurant that's that's coming. So let's talk about just a few minutes left on 
you're more on your leadership philosophy. I was wowed when I had breakfast. The person didn't know I was going to interview you. And when I asked about you, she said, oh, yeah, he's a perfectionist. He's a vision. But he's, he's flexible. And the biggest thing is he knows about us personally. You have a lot of people to know about personally. Talk more about what unique practices you have as a leader to build something where perfection is the expectation all the time. Well, I think it starts in the hiring process. I, I am a big believer that we hire for personality and we train for skill, right? This is not rocket science. We're waiting tables. We're taking care of the guest. But I can't teach you to smile and to understand that you're working weekends and holidays. And so we look for that natural inclination to be of service to others. And we figure we can train all the rest. And in terms of staying in touch with the staff, I think it's just constant, gentle pressure, constant reevaluating. It's the one-on-ones I do with the managers. It's attending the the employee meetings. We do a roundtable where we take one line-level employee from every department in the hotel every month with me to just go around the room and ask me any question they might have of the CEO, and I get to ask them, how's it going, right? Because they're on the ground level taking care of the guests. And, and it's almost, you know, our version of undercover boss, you get to, you get that feedback loop of what could we be doing better. We do one called reorientation 30 days after we have you join the company, we put you in a room with myself and all of the C-suite. And we go around the room and we ask you, what did you learn about the company in the first 30 days? What question do you have about the company in the first 30 days? What do you like working about at the company in your first 30 days? What could we do better? Because that new fresh set of eyes is a whole new feedback loop that we get. And we want to constantly improve the onboarding experience for the people coming behind them. So I think it's it's constant feedback, whether that be employee survey, guest surveys, the one, but that you can't beat that one-on-one five-minute interaction when you're getting your morning cup of coffee in one of these restaurants to ask about people and their families and their children and 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 outside of work we have a uh, we also have a, a an employee morale officer who does nothing but you know monthly management outings and things because i'm a big believer that if we get to know each other as human beings outside of work we're going to produce a better it's product exceptional answer final question is there any ceo that you've learned from? And maybe it's, uh, you have to keep a great reputation here as well. Uh, I, I, you know, I look at legendary hospitality guys like Izzy Sharp at Four Seasons. Uh, I think he had a people first philosophy when he was running the company. Uh, Danny Meyer, Union Square Hospitality, certainly some of the best restaurants around. Again, huge Disney fan. So I'm a big Bob Iger fan. Uh, I think that running a company of that size and the way he made sure that he was walking the parks and getting that feedback directly from the team is an inspirational leadership to me. Well, on that note, um, what a pleasure, Daniel, it is having you on the CEO show. And best of luck to be the number one destination spot by 2026, your 100th anniversary. Thank you very much.